Welcome to the number one show and the source of truth for all things medtech. Here, we reveal the secrets and stories behind the investments, science, and commercialization of the medtech industry. Every week, we'll take you on a wild ride with the biggest names in the game, from entrepreneurs and investors who are shaking up the market, to healthcare providers who are revolutionizing the way we think and practice medicine. So hold on tight and get ready for a journey like no other. This is the State of MedTech. What is going on, you med rep savages? And yes, this episode, you guys are all med rep savages because for the solo part of the week, we did a poll, and this time, not as many of you voted. We had about 989. Usually, we were over 1,000, but this time, 989. And the topics were, uh, let's take a quick look here. There we go. Topics were interviewing, war stories with pure entertainment, using LinkedIn to sell, and then technology adoption curve. So... Coming in very last was the technology adoption curve. I'm very disappointed about that. I'm covering an episode about that, whether you like it or not. You need to learn about these topics. But the other one, um, the highest one, 49% of you voted for, war stories, pure entertainment. Number two is LinkedIn uh, to sell. So I'm going to cover some war stories. Um, and uh, this is going to be pure entertainment uh, purposes only. Um, maybe edutainment, because I would like to pull some things from this so you guys can actually learn. Uh, but first, I had some of you guys submit some more stories of your own. Thank you very much because, you know, I figured, like, why not make this a team sport, right? And so I'm going to read here some war stories, but I'm going to keep it anonymous. Okay, so um, so here here's some here's some great war stories. So for one of them, uh, one of you guys mentioned that uh, some J&J reps were essentially busted at an account for accidentally leaving the freezer door open that housed competitive uh, Baxter hemostatic agents accidentally. So one thing I'll say about this industry is that I've never seen a level of competition among sales reps like anywhere else. I mean, you don't see this in tech or SaaS, everything. The level of absolute just brutal sabotage is insane. And so great war story. And again, this person was asked to remain anonymous. But what I will say that you do have to keep in mind is that never take anything for granted and always assume that your competitor is plotting against you, which is a good thing. There's a great book by Andy um, and by Andrew Grove, the former president of, of, of Intel, called Only the Paranoid Survive. And there's a reason for that, because when you're paranoid, that's when you stay on top of your stuff. You never get comfortable. So there's a there's a there's an idea out there where you should be paranoid. Okay. Um, and that, that story, there was a hospital that purchased products that competitive reps were sabotaging so they could be a hero and grab their non-compromised products off the shelf, right? So think about how – so first of all, this person who sent me this, they call them absolute trash human beings. I absolutely agree with that because essentially that's terrible, right? If you can't beat your competition head-to-head -head, uh, based on product and your ability to sell and provide great service, like you're a piece of trash. You should not be in this industry. Me, that's that's my personal opinion, and and obviously this person shared the story. Number two, this kind of compromises a case, right? Because what if that that product was probably the better suited one for that patient, right? So technically, this has an impact on patient care. So again, like this again, this is not the norm of our industry. These are like edge cases, but again, war story. Okay, um, one more from the same person. Really appreciate it. their first month on the job. 
they were a marketing leader uh, uh, at a, a market-leading manufacturer. Okay, so we'll leave it at that. Um, of a transcatheter heart valve. <laughs> I don't think I have to go any further. So they had the chance to meet the CEO, and they were told, do not sit on his couch in his office, um, essentially alluding to inappropriate conduct that was well known about. Okay? Um, the person was like shocked, turns out. A lot of the senior leadership team employed uh, the same culture. Uh, it was pretty appalling, obviously. Um, and this, per this person calls this company the Harvey Weinstein of medical device. Their demise can't come soon enough. Wow. That's going to be, you know, so not, I mean, definitely a war story. Let, let's just put it this way. Um, you know, I don't subscribe uh, to social justice woke politics. However, when it comes to the mistreatment of people, uh, mistreating women especially, I don't care if it compromises your job. If you see stuff like this happening, you better take action. Stand up for somebody because sometimes people are afraid to lose their jobs. And so you need to, in my opinion, be the bigger person, especially I'm speaking to the men out there. You see bad behavior, right? You need, a, you need to do something about it, right? There was a time, and I, I subscribe to these times, where um, physical altercations occurred so that these things do not happen. I'm not saying for you to do that, obviously. But what I would, say, what I would suggest is that you know, there's a lot of, in my personal anecdotal experience, there's women out there who are new to the industry or been in this industry for a long time, and they just you know, look the other way and they don't know what to do. Be a good ally. You know, go talk to them. Just be like, hey, heard this happen. Heard this person made this comment. That's not right. We need to do something about it. Um, and, and you have a responsibility, in my opinion, to, to meet these things head on. Because if you don't, then you're sort of indirectly contributing to this, the continuation of this behavior. Right? Um, so just, that's all I'm going to say about that. All right. Moving on. Next war story. All right, this was a war story. Again, all of you want to be anonymous, totally okay. So uh, there was a neurosurgeon who used to put a box on the ground for reps to stand on. Rep tried to speak up, shared that the screw being used was not long enough for the implant, and the doc just lost it, just went absolutely ballistic. And this rep ended up getting screamed at after the case for trying to make, uh, make that surgeon look dumb, right? Amazing. So... Great war story. Here's the lesson. It goes back to the 48 Laws of Power, which again, sits here right on my desk. 48 Laws of Power, law number one, never outshine the master. And I've mentioned this before, as a rep, sometimes you feel like you're doing a good job by showcasing your, your knowledge and expertise to the surgeon. But keep in mind, this is public, right? So like you would never uh, uh, criticize or make a comment to uh to like your ceo in front of the company don't do the same thing as surgeons because in that or you have other reps you have the surgical techs or assistants or pas all these things surgeons um a lot of them have very fragile egos right and and they and they're not going to tolerate that and personally like if i was a surgeon i wouldn't tolerate it either a rep can correct me but it's not what you say it's how you say it right so you have to you have to rehearse these things right and again um a lot of you know you're in a surgical theater and a lot of what you do in that is also theater. So you have to practice like, okay, if I, you know, have this issue in the case or this or that with this surgeon, how am I going to deliver? A lot of times when I was a rep, when I used to uh, go on, like if I had to needed help and somebody was going to cover my account, I would educate that person. Hey, 
if this thing happens or this thing happens, right, here's how you're going to communicate with the surgeon, okay? Like there are some surgeons where I knew that, you know, you need to, as a rep, you know, interrupt them and say, hey, Dr. So-and-so, can I, can I come around to the, to the back and, and, and share something? And they'll say, yeah. And you go and you almost like kind of whisper to them instead of shouting it across the room, right? So there's a way to do these things, okay? So be smart. Don't be stupid, okay? Um, let's see. All right, I'm checking out. By the way, for those of you who are going to NAS, um, you know, I'm trying to find my badge in. <laughs> you know, so uh, people are are offering it. So if you have an extra badge, let me know. I might I might have found one, but um, all right, let's see. Here we go. We got another one. Uh, <laughs> this is like not exactly a war story. It's just kind of a hilarious story. But uh, someone, everybody wants to be anonymous. Totally understandable. Uh, someone knew a rep in Louisiana that had a live lizard crawl out of a sterile tray when they unwrapped it in the OR. You know, that's that's on SPD. You know, it's why when you, when when these trays come out, you just got to wrap them. You can't let, leave them hanging around, you know. Man, that's really bad. And let's see, do I have any more stories from the inbox? That's it. So let me share some of my stories, okay? So for 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 context, when I first entered medical device sales, uh, I was like fresh out of medical school, I, I dropped out. And so I had a lot of really good clinical knowledge, right? And more importantly, I knew what not to do in the OR. Like I have a father who's a surgeon, I paid attention to surgeon culture, I studied it. And so like, I already knew how to properly act in the OR. That being said, no matter who you are, even even a former medical student with surgeons in their family, having wanted to be a surgeon, like I knew it, you still make mistakes. So I'll give you I'll give you a couple couple of them. Um, the first was I used to work with a surgeon um, uh, who was who's short. He was he's very short. And the and one time I was in his in his OR and we were bat they we were talking about uh, another surgeon. And of course, like, you know, you know, being in OR, you're like on a team. And when they start to loosen up, include you in on the jokes, like you kind of feel good. You're like, oh, I'm part of I'm part of the gang now. And so I made this comment about the surgeon where I was like, yeah, this person has short man syndrome for sure. And the tech looked up at me and like burned a laser in my eyes and then immediately looked at the surgeon who was like somehow missed what I said. And like open his eyes, like, dude, what would you don't say that again? And I was like, oh my God, that's right. The surgeon's also short. So point of that is always have awareness for your surroundings. Be aware, like the one thing I recommend, I've learned this the hard way professionally, is that just because everybody around you gets to starts to loosen up and tell jokes and everything does not mean that you should. I don't care if it's in the OR or you're at a restaurant or bar, always be on point. This is also why. Personally, nothing bad came of it, of course. But like in the past, when I go out to conferences or dinners, you know, like I'd have a drink or two with with a surgeon if they wanted one. These days, I don't drink. I don't drink in professional settings. It's rare. And the reason why is that number one, it gives you an edge because while everybody else is getting drunk and like you know dispelling all kinds of information, you can kind of stay on point and sober, right? Just pretend like you're a secret agent, you know. But the other thing is just like nothing good ever comes of it, you know. So. Funny war story, but the lesson here is just do not get comfortable, right? Just because everybody else is having a good time or, you know, sharing things, don't do it. You know, another another recommendation um, is this is not exactly a war story, but it's a piece of advice. 
a lot of times surgeons are crafty. They are crafty as hell, meaning that a lot of times they'll, they do things like I know surgeons who purposely do things to pressure test reps in the OR. You know, they, they pretend to get a little bit mad about something or they do something else. You know, they're pressure testing you. So that includes sometimes a surgeon will just, you know, make a knock on another surgeon or make some comment and everything. And they're actually checking to see like, oh, is this guy going to, is this guy going to badmouth the surgeon? Because a lot of times if, if you're going to badmouth that surgeon, you're likely to badmouth them, right? So again, like the point is always be careful. Now, let me tell you a juicier one. Okay. This is a really insane story. So there was an exec that I know um, who worked for an orthopedic implant company. Okay. And back in the 2000s, okay, they, uh, this company he worked at, they came out with a new implant. Okay. Was in a case and it was, it, the, the surgeon was kind of struggling and, and this implant had, uh, without giving it away, let's just say it is a very unique approach. And so it, it sometimes didn't work out the way you want it, right? Just didn't work out. Well, in one of these cases, right, the surgeon got so angry, he broke scrub, went and knocked the guy out, just cold clocked him, punched him in the OR. Insane. Lesson, always have cat-like reflexes. Like just know when you got to run for the door. Fortunately, we don't live in those times anymore. Like things in the OR really have gotten tightened up. But in some, some rural hospitals in the middle of nowhere where the surgeon has a lot of power, um, I would not be surprised of reps who have stories of like surgeons throwing instruments, et cetera. That's another thing. Have cat-like reflexes. I've heard a lot of stories where the surgeon just decides to just fling something across the room, right, at the rep, you know? And so these are all hilarious war stories. But the theme here is like you got to always um, uh, assess like why did something happen, right? Why did something happen and how could it be prevented? A lot of times these, these war stories happen not so much because of a failure of product, but because of a failure of preparation and character on the side of the rep. So like the earlier stories that that rep shared, um, you know, J&J reps, you know, sabotaging a Baxter reps, you know, a product, right? That's a, that's a failure of character, right? Um, other times it's failure of knowledge, you know? Um, but that being said, I know some of you are driving, you're like, you just want to hear some hilarious stories. Okay, so here is another uh, great war story. Um, and actually... This is this is um, this is a, um, a a war story outside of the OR, but it kind of tells you what it took and in, in, what it takes in, to be in a startup. When I worked for Mazor Robotics, uh, so when I worked for Mazor Robotics uh, in the early days, we used to have a lot of issues with the with the robots. It was a small robot the size of a of a of a of a cylinder, right? And 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 sometimes we had to transport this thing for cases. So one time in the middle of this huge blizzard, like bad blizzard in Texas, um, two guys, um, uh, um, Sean Stewart and, and Robbie Breedlove, um, they needed to make a case happen, and they needed the, they needed to make a robot change. So both of them get in the, got in their cars and drove I don't know how many miles through extremely difficult, treacherous snow and blizzard like they they i would say they literally risked their lives got out of their cars ha exchanged the robots right got in the cars and went and covered a case and so i share that because there's so many great stories like that of our industry you know um recently i was watching the netflix show painkiller um which talks about the um the sackler family 
um, and uh, Purdue Pharma and how they pretty much killed Americans for profit uh, through their, their drug Oxycontin. But in that, you know, you saw the reps, right? And the reps were always slick. And, you know, these are pharma reps, by the way, you know, no offense to pharma, but like what we do here is different. Uh, and so it upset me because there's a side of medical sales that people don't know about. Many of you listening uh, live that life, which is you make very difficult decisions. You sacrifice your health, your life, your family, um, time in order to make cases to make sure that what's what's best you know the best things are done for the patient there is a rep um who um there's a rep who who reached out to me and uh i won't mention the name of the rep or the company but she had informed me that her company um had a product that got recalled you know and she's uh out in the virginia west virginia south carolina area and she had a big territory and her, her product got recalled. You want to know what this rep did? She picked up the phone. She called her competitor and then, in wa and then walked that competitor into every single one of her accounts and introduced them. So that way, those accounts had that you know, product type, product line for patients. Can you imagine that? I don't see that happening in other industries where if your product fails or something, you just go get call your competitor. She, you know, the reps who win in this game prioritize two things. Number one, the patient on the table, which we hear all the time. We hear that all the time, but how many of it, how, how, how much do we really reflect on folks? How do we prioritize the patient on the table, number one? And number two, providing the absolute very best customer service, what's best for the customer, not for ourselves or our bag. You know, those are the kind of things that make me really proud to be in this industry, you know? And to be quite frank, Part of the reason why I started this business and I, and I have a show and everything, I want to make as much money as humanly possible to bankroll some really good projects. And one of those, I, let, me, let me paint a picture for you guys. Martin Scorsese directs a film. And if you have a better idea, you'd let me know. Directs a film about intuitive surgical in the 2000s. Just the insanity. Those those stories are are classic. So I'll give you some intuitive stories. Um, intuitive, uh, and I and I I kind of consider myself a like um, semi like intuitive historian because I've, I'm so interested in that in in what they did. You know, little history on on intuitive. So a lot of them, a lot of the intuitive people, like the le early leaders, um, came from U.S. Surgical. U.S. Surgical was like a storied, storied company from the 80s and 90s. Uh, uh, U.S. Surgical, and if I'm wrong, somebody please comment and correct me. U.S. Surgical turned into Covidian, uh, which eventually got uh, acquired by Medtronic. But brutal culture, um, very aggressive sales, very aggressive customer service, just like whatever it takes. And so Intuitive in the 2000s, um, you know, they, they're the first robotic company in the world, surgical robotics company in the world. And when they started getting traction, right, and, and in my opinion, the, the, the thing that made them get traction is extreme discipline and focus. So they decided instead of focusing on all these different procedures to focus on radical prostatectomy. It's just, it's just like, hey, we're not going to worry about the heart. We're not worry about all these things. We're focusing on owning the living hell out of radical prostatectomy, okay? So then when, the, when they started getting traction, and I think I would, I want to say it's like 05, 06, 07. That's when he's really starting getting traction. People are making a lot of money. 
this is back in the day when you didn't have as much hospital consolidation where you where Intuitive's uh, playbook, one of them, was go and show the technology to the, to the surgeons who had the vision. They got excited. And then if the surgeons did not get that robot at that hospital, Intuitive would just go to the competing hospital and say, hey, look, we know that these surgeons are interested in this robot. If you purchase this robot, they will probably bring 10, maybe 20% of the procedures over here. And then that you know, you essentially position and drive market demand through that competition. Again, that's one of one of the things that they did, many other things. Anyways, Intuitive had a barbaric culture. And I say that with a, with a lot of respect. Barbaric in the sense that they did not mess around. And they very quickly made examples of people. So one story that I heard, um, who I don't want to, again, I'm not mentioning any names, uh, at one of their national sales meetings, there was a rep who uh, supposedly did really good, just crushed quota. One of the top performing reps uh, won an award, got a little bit too jovial, a little, little, got a little bit too comfortable, right? Remember remember the theme I told you earlier, do not get too comfortable? So this rep, I think, party a lot, supposedly jumped into a fountain. Next day, they fired him just to make an example out of him. So the one thing I want you guys to think about is, and, and we're, we live in this day of social media. I love social media. but you always have to think, what are the optics on this? Even me, I'm look, I'm I'm in the I do whatever the hell I want, whenever the hell I want. But there's consequences to everything. And so every time I put out a piece of content, I think about how does this how, what are the optics on this? How does how does this fit for my reputation? I'm gonna re replace brand with reputation, my reputation, right? And so the more you start to think about that, the better off you'll be. Some of the people who I, I really respect a lot. I mean, somebody uh, I'll, I'll give a shout out to is like, and a lot of the people who I worked with at Mazur, a good amount of them were like, so Sean Stewart, for example, Sean Stewart was a really successful clinical sales rep, got promoted to area sales, sales manager, crushed it, did very well. I don't think I remember a single day where Sean was uh, like, you know, being, you know, having too many drinks or anything, even at our national sales meeting, the guy was always on point, right? And so, if you're a young rep and you're trying to get promoted, you're trying to work, you know, um, work your way up the ladder, you got to think about what the optics are at every single point. You know that meme with uh, Snoop Dogg where, where Snoop Dogg's like, this, mo this mofo don't miss. He don't miss even in the heat of battle, right? That's the, that's the brand you want, right? And I think when it comes to these war stories, you know, you can be a subject of one of these war stories one day. You know, like maybe not on my show, but you'll be a subject of a war story in a bar. Are you going to be the subject of a war story where people are like, wow, what an amazing rep. What like that's amazing where they're going to learn something or they're going to laugh and be like, man, what a clown. Right. What a clown. So <laughs> so I'll give you another I'll give you another fantastic war story. Um, many of us, uh, you know, the, the beauty about our industry that I love so much, you know, uh, it is <laughs> so, uh, I'm going to, uh, I'll be honest. I was, I was sending a quick text message. One cool thing about living here in SoCal is like, I get to, you know, because of my show and everything, I get to meet up with really cool people. So I'm meeting up with, uh, with a guy who's, uh, the, who is the publicist for some of the biggest names in Hollywood, including Kim Kardashian. We just happen to become friends. So I'm meeting him up. That'll be interesting. I might have him on my show actually. But anyways, um, we, we talk, you know, the, our, the, the history of medicine and medical sales is super interesting. There's a lot of nuances, a lot of cultural uh, colloquialisms. So one of those things is physician lounge. 
Physician Lounge, it, it is it is such a holy place. You know, the Mad Device Rep had this one great meme where um, it shows like a, uh, a knight, like a guy dressed up like a knight getting a soda and it and it shows like someone discovers you in the physician's rounds holy music stops like it's like that right well you know one time when i was cover when i was covering an account okay and again i think that when you approach things with a lot of self-awareness and humility people take notice and reward you for it so this uh surgeon uh first of all when i was covering the case and again war story but i want to give you some points you know uh, when I covered this case, I made sure to talk to people before before the case started. Introduce myself. Um, I made sure uh, uh, that uh, I talked to a surgeon ahead of ahead of time about things. I really orchestrated things well, and I ran a tight ship. So people took notice. They're like, "Wow, this guy's like on point," you know. And and I when I cover cases and when I used to cover cases, I used to pretend as if it was a movie and, and somebody was filming every mo moment I had, which includes like, how did I stand? How did I talk about things? How do I handle the instruments? When you do all these micro movements and you, and you do it like theater, people pay attention to that. You know, if you do something simple, very, very well, people pay attention. So after, so at the end of the case, the surgeon, uh, looked up and said, you know, Omar, thank you so much for helping us today. But just out of curiosity, um, do you have any feedback for me and the team? This, this is a surgeon. He's, he's, they're suturing, they're closing up the patient. It was, a, it was a, I think a two level, two level fusion. The whole team like just looks at me to hear what I, what, what, what feedback I had. Okay. And so that was a very special moment, right? One, because not a lot of surgeons act like that, but I took advantage of this because most reps would usually what they'll do is like they want everybody to feel good and they'll say, oh, um, everybody did so fantastic. Great case. everybody, And that's it. So I wanted to do that, but I wanted to add a little bit of feedback because, again, the persuasion element here is to still sustain a certain reputation of authority and excellence. So I told him, Dr. Sonzo, no, abs absolutely. I was like, look, overall, it's a great case. You guys got, you know, if I if I had to say like it's an A plus case. But I have some suggestions about being an A++. Would you like to know what they are? And I made sure to you know, lower my voice so people like you can hear a pin drop. And of course, the surgeon said, yes, absolutely. So first thing is I started just, you know, just, with, you know, just with the surgeon, right? Because I, and, and by the way, I wasn't prepared for that question, but I was prepared because every case I sit down, I take notes into my notepad about what could be better, what was worse, you know, what did I do wrong, what did they do wrong, because I'm trying to get better, I'm trying to optimize. So I pulled out my notes, and again, this is all theater. I opened my notes, not like I'm doing it from, from memory. And I, and I looked through and I said, yeah, doctor, I was like, look, at this minute of the procedure, you were going through this part, these different steps, you actually did a great job of that. One thing I would recommend is that if you do it in this way, right, with, with these tools, you could shave off maybe a minute or two, and I think you'll 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 in, in, enjoy that workflow more. Maybe try that out next time. Loved it. And then and then the other thing I had, I think I had something for the for the scrub tech. I was like, hey, I was like, you did a phenomenal job. I was like, just to make it easier for you in terms of handling instruments, like maybe consider you know positioning them this way, right? I was like, but overall, like honestly, I learned a lot watching you. But that's that's just like my one one thing. So in that, like I'm complimenting the team, I'm giving them some good feedback, and I'm still setting myself as an authority figure, right? That's the one thing as a rep. Again, remember law number one, never outshine the master, but while you're in there, try and establish some authority. So afterwards, surgeon, you know, is 
talking to me and we're talking and we're walking and we're going, we're about to go into the physician's lounge. Okay. And so I stop and he's walking. He's like, Oh, he's like, you can come in. I was like, I was like, you know, doctor, is it okay? I was like, I just, I just don't, I want to be respectful of the, of the facility. He's like, absolutely. Like, he's like, if I say it's okay, it's totally cool. So I was like, great. So then I go in there, we have a conversation. Okay. And then he gets up and leaves. What do you think I did? I know I joke about it all the time, about like hanging out in the physician's lounge and everything. I picked up my stuff and I left. I did not take advantage of it because optics, my friend, optics. Think about the optics. Perception is reality. Okay. You have to always think about that. And so I left and I sat outside to make my notes and everything while waiting for the next case. And, you know, different surgeons came in and out of that room, right? And it wasn't until a little bit later, like he was, by coincidence, walking around and saw me and said, Omar, what are you doing? Well, I said, it's okay. And I said, yeah, I said, doctor, I just didn't, I didn't feel comfortable about it because like you, you left already. And I didn't want other surgeons to think that I was just some random rep hanging out because it wasn't my account. Right. And then he walks me back in and tells the room, he's like, everybody, I want you to meet Omar Khatib. This guy is our, our robotics uh, representative from Azure Robotics. And I want you to know that I have, you know, insisted that Omar makes his notes and waits for the next case hanging out here in this, in this physician, in the physician's lounge. Has anybody got a problem with that? I think it was like two, like anesthesia, anesthesia is just like hanging out. I was like, well, I got no problem with it, you know? And so the point of this war story I share with you, it's not much of a war story, I guess, but you have to earn the right. Medicine that is very deeply rooted in culture um, and, and respect, and there's a hierarchy to it. You got to respect that hierarchy, you know? Now, I got one more good one. I got a good one. This is a great one. I say the best for last. Um, and I'm going to try, I'm, 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 I'm going to not hide one name, just so you guys know. There was a uh, very famous cardiothoracic surgeon who I met. And this person happened to work under or, or had trained under Dr. Michael DeBakey, who is like world famous heart surgeon. I mean, if you're in the heart world, you know, this guy was like God in, in cardiac world. He came up with a rolling heart pump. You know, all these things are named after him. He was like, he's, he, he was like one of the big names in medicine. And I remember uh, when I met this surgeon, it was like maybe a, a few weeks after I, uh, you know, uh, I heard that Dr. DeBakey died. So I said, oh, Dr. So-and-so. I'm like, you know, my condolences. I heard Dr. DeBakey died. And this doctor turns around. He's like, DeBakey? He is a mean son of a bitch. You know, that guy was terrible. I, you know, horrible. <laughs> he walks to his office and I looked at his assistant. And his assistant's like, well, you could have done without that one. And of course, later, like, the, the the surgeon was like, look, I'm sorry I had that reaction. Just like DeBakey was terrible. He he like, and so one of the stories I heard was that DeBakey um, went to medical students. I don't know if he did this with Medros, but like would invite them to their, to invited him them to their home. And again, I, who knows how real this is? It's a great story though. And so if you're a med student or a rep or something and you get invited to his home for some dinner, you're like, oh my God, that's amazing. I can't wait to, and they would show up and they were handed a tuxedo and a tray because they were essentially working and serving guests. <laughs> I don't know how real that is. I don't know how real that is. So anyways, I hope this was fun. I mean, 
you know, some of these, I, I try to make these value added, but some of you guys want to just like hang out and just enjoy some war stories. Um, I'm going to put this out there. Okay. Um, if you know somebody from the early days of us surgical intuitive who can come on and openly share some war stories, please let me know. I'll have them on my show because I think those are so much better. Um, so with that being said, I hope you guys enjoyed this quick reminder, by the way, number one, if you're a rep or sales manager or anything, you're trying to find early adopters, try this new platform that I'm, I've been using called Alpha Sophia. Um, it's like a lot of these other platforms, except it's specific to finding early adopters. You're able to see surgeon prescribing volume, CPT codes, their procedure volume, territories, the societies they're part of, and the social media handles they use. It's amazing. And it's very easy to use. Best part, it only costs 300 bucks a month. And what's even better than that is that I kind of twisted the arm of the CEO and I was like, I want something free for my audience. So if you go to alphasophia.com forward slash Omar, that's A-L-P-H-A-S-O-P-H-I-A.com forward slash Omar, um, you can submit your information and they're going to give you three free searches. Meaning like when you get on, they're going to do a demo of their platform, but they're going to ask you like, hey, what's a surgeon you're looking at or what's a procedure you're looking at or a territory? And they're going to give you three free searches and they're just going to hand it to you. You know, there's nothing, nothing, you, need, you don't need to give them anything, right? Um, so go ahead and take advantage of that. And with that being said, please make sure, hey, if you haven't already subscribed to this podcast, number one, and number two, give us five stars, right? Review. We, we went over a hundred reviews already on Apple, which was big. Um, I'm trying to get to a thousand, you know, we're climbing up the charts in medicine. And so I want to make this not just the, we're the number one show in med tech, hands down. I want this to be the number one show in the medicine and healthcare category. So help me get there. If you help me do that. More money comes in. I get to spend more money on really cool content. We got some big things coming along. Um, hopefully a in-person event. More on that soon. So with that being said, enjoy your weekend, everybody. Stay hungry. Keep working hard. Put the patient first. Have high self-awareness. And if you have a really great war story, send it to me on Instagram. We'll see you all later, everyone. Take care. Thank you for enjoying another epic episode of the State of MedTech. If you're feeling inspired and love this episode, do us a favor, hit that subscribe button and turn notifications on so you never miss an episode. And be sure to give us five stars and write a short review because that helps more people discover this amazing community of ours. If you're a company who has a executive that you'd like to be on the show, or perhaps you want to sponsor one of the episodes, shoot us an email at hello at Take care. And we'll see you next time.